Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Wait, you just you just had a different mug. Do you have various mugs going on? You have two drinks? What's yeah, in one there? is more, one is English breakfast tea and one is herbal tea. I finished my <laughs> what? You like uppers and downers at the same time. Mm-hmm. Shit. You're hardcore. Yeah. Wow. You know it, girl. <laughs> wow. So you know it. We're both freezing. I'm actually okay because I just put my heat on. Um, which is probably during the time that we started this conversation cost me about one thousand pounds so. <laughs> oh my god I'm, I'm laughing but that's not funny i know it's bad I, I don't know how we're all gonna do it but we i guess we'll just do it i'm yeah. lucky i'm re- i'm very lucky that i can get through this winter but um i'm genuinely like devastated for a lot of people who i know it's really sad and then I read today that they're talking about doing um like power turning like the black doing blackouts from four till six in the winter which I just think is so unbelievably cruel because that's when kids come home from school I just think governments in the west I mean governments everywhere but specifically governments in the west literally give zero minus zero fucks about children they give it all this, mm-hmm. but they don't really give a fuck about children. Yeah. Uh, they don't care about their health. They don't care about their welfare. They don't care about their educations. They don't care about what they're doing after school. They don't care about any of it. So anyway, that's a conversation for another day. But yeah. my first thought was just like, what are people going to, like kids are at home at that point. So yeah. what they'll start doing is leaving the house and then where are they going to go when they leave the house? They're going to go places to be warm. And are they going to then go out and be like getting into trouble or hanging around on the street or my brain just goes there. So anyways, um, but I'm very lucky. I can put my heat on and I keep inviting people over to my house. We don't have any heat. Uh, like it's just like just keeps looking at me I'm just like yeah yeah, yeah you guys should come over it's fine <laughs> <laughs> by the time everyone comes over there'll be enough just like person heat in the room that we won't even need to put the heat on yeah body heat um, exactly um but you're really cold right now because you're in Chicago I am freezing it must be such a shock for you because isn't it like 100 degrees in California <laughs> Yeah, we just came out of a massive heat wave, and now I'm in, like, the Arctic tundra with the wind. It's nuts. Right on the lake. I mean, Evanston as well is, like, really, really cold because you are right on the lake. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but we went in the lake yesterday. (laughs) Because. physically, your bodies. Physically in the lake. Not, like, on a boat. No, like, shoes off, pants rolled up. In the lake because we're here scattering my grandfather's ashes and that's mm-hmm. where he wanted to be. Yeah. And, so. and you had his memorial as well. Yes, we had his memorial yesterday. 
He grew up in Evanston, which I hadn't known that you have frequented Evanston. Yeah. I didn't know Ryan went to school here. Yeah, yeah. Ryan went to Northwestern and he would speak at the university um, about podcasting and marketing and blah, blah, blah. So we went there a couple times. Um, And then also we just went, we just went there when we would go and visit Chicago, we would always go pop into Evanston. Yeah. Um, just because it's so pretty. It's Gorgeous. a nice way to spend a couple hours. And he w- he wanted to show me. I remember when we, when we not the first time we went to Chicago, but the second time, um, and it was the winter, he wanted to show me around the university, which was really sweet. But you were saying how you really were hit with grief. I was really hit with grief yesterday for the memorial and like you said grief just doesn't go away my grandpa died two years ago but it all came up and I spoke and that was really really difficult for me to put together what I wanted to say it's so hard to sum up someone's life isn't it it's so strange you you can't do it but like to get up there and they're like okay you have six minutes I was like yeah fuck off I spoke for like 30 minutes (laughs) But, you know, to to put all that into words that are not only meaningful to you, but make sense to people listening in a group, it w- was really challenging for me. And also just to get through it without like crying. And then to get through well. it with it. Yeah, I mean, I just, I cried the whole time. I was like, but I said a few things that are really powerful that I learned from going through somebody's death with them because I Mm. I took care of my grandpa at the end the last couple years and then I spent the last week of his life with him yeah and something that stuck with me is and I spoke of this yesterday is the the smallest things become everything Mm. as a human like Mm. the last day he was alive I was with him in the hospital and he wanted hot coffee Mm-hmm. They were trying to get him to drink water, but he just wanted his coffee. And I was like, the guy's dying. Just let him yeah, have he's his fucking coffee, yeah. man. Um, but he hated the hospital coffee, so I'd have to run out and get him this scalding hot coffee from a real place. And he would try to bring the cup to his mouth, and I would try to help him, but he didn't want me to help him. He wanted the dignity of doing it himself. Yeah. And that stuck with me so deeply that just that watching him bring that cup to his mouth and he Mm. could barely he could barely do it but I just I learned in that moment so much about the power of dignity for all of us dignity Mm. is so important to human life Mm. and it's taken from you when you're ill when you're Mm. when you can't help yourself for various reasons when you're old and that's really hard for humans to have to go through we celebrate all phases of life don't we we celebrate birth we celebrate death we celebrate milestones Mm -hmm. and each of those areas are meant to teach you specific lessons that you couldn't get any other way Mm. I'm sure you could write a novel on the lessons, I mean, 10 novels on the lessons you've learned 
through losing Ryan and Max. So that's just all on my mind. I'm going through mm-hmm. a lot. I'm just gonna go on a long walk. Just some after simple, this. some simple stuff. Not too happy. Simple nothing. stuff. Nothing's really been going on. Yeah, and then and then the experience of going to that beach and and tipping the urn into the water and watching those ashes become nothing. Like, where did they go? Do they? Can mm-hmm. you can't you can't pinpoint where it goes. It's it's not the water. It's not the sand. It's not the air. It's dust to dust. And that was really. Mm-hmm really a powerful thing for me to see happen. Mm. So what's up with you? <laughs> you went um, to Paris. I did. I went to Paris. Um, Alec and I went. It was really interesting. <laughs> um, I mean, earlier you said you hated it. Tell us about that. I think hate's a strong word. Oh, okay. okay so maybe I embellished. Did you not use the no, word? No, no, no. I I did. I did, but I think hate is a strong word to use. I would say the first day I f- kind of like felt like I hated it a little bit, but um okay, so it's really dirty and it smells like piss everywhere you go. Everywhere. Well, that's the French. Yeah. <laughs> Rude. I'm sorry, um, I'm married to an Englishman. That's how he feels. <laughs> I know. Well, listen, now I'm feeling a couple couple ways. I know that Parisians are very, very different than other types of French people. And um hello to all our French listeners, by the way. We yeah, love you. yeah. No, no, no. I, I know lots of French people, but mostly from other areas of France, south of France, and <laughs> like more countryside and other places. And I've always had lovely experiences there. I've been to Nice, I've been to Lyon, I've been to Hongihon, wherever else. <laughs> I've been Hon-hi-hon, to Hongihon. I've been to a lot of places. I think I just um, saw a ghost behind you, by the way. Oh, fuck off. I'm Actually, sorry, it's not my fault. <laughs> I just felt something really weird when you said that as well. People have been asking if we're going to do a spooky Halloween episode, and the answer is yes. Yeah, we'll do a spooky episode. No, I literally, I just, I saw something on your right shoulder. I can really smell. Where? Yeah, right there. I saw it right there. Anyway. You were saying? I was saying I've been to areas all over France that aren't Paris and always had a really nice time. So Mm -hmm. it's not like a French thing. It's definitely a Paris thing. You know, the Parisians do have a real reputation for being really rude. And I guess they just are. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like a joke, you know, it's not like... It's not like, oh, quirky Parisians, you know, they're kind of rude. And you're just like, yeah, they can't be that rude. And then you go and you're like, oh, okay, I'll I'll, um, I'll just go fuck myself then. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, in any other culture, if you have like a language barrier or you're communicating with somebody in, in any other culture that I've been in, and I would say probably most cultures around the world, when you try to like ingratiate yourself to the person in the sense of like, there's a language barrier. I'm trying to explain to you what I'm saying. I'm trying to in, like use what I can to say what I'm trying to say. And then, you know, they kind of respond and with kindness as a facial expression. There's a, oh, okay, you know, there's some kind of response. Nothing. So just mm-hmm. completely like dead face, which I think is actually like, if if you knew somebody did, that did that, 
you'd be like they're a sociopath yeah so it's just a whole culture of sociopaths yeah <laughs> oh I know what that smell is now he's what? waxing the floors is that it was really frightening me you're trying to move on from it and I'm actually sitting here like the whole time trying to talk to you but all I'm thinking about is like is my house about to explode he's waxing the floors okay good he's waxing the floors god you've always got and... him doing no it's not me yeah it's <laughs> Just I I just imagine him just <laughs> topless, just shirtless, just yeah, all the time. So anyway, I don't think it's cute or charming that the Parisians are fucking rude. It smells like piss. There's no good coffee, and all of the food that we ate was shit. Apart from one night when we went to this restaurant, you're gonna love this. We went to a restaurant. I literally googled best coquevin in Paris because I wanted some like French traditional food. If you Google. English traditional food in London, a bunch of places will come up where you can get game pie, roasted birds, roasted meat. You can get stews. You can get, you know, all of that shit. Nothing other than touristy stuff comes up. But I found this one restaurant that was like all different types of birds. So it's like guinea fowl, chicken, pheasant, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. And somehow I managed to get a reservation. It's like a really fancy place. I (laughs) refused to have another bad meal. I was like, I'm not. I'm not having another bad meal. I've come this far to a place that is all, everyone's like, oh, the food is so good. Yeah. I'm going to lose it if I eat one more shitty meal. I paid 138 euros for a chicken, a roast chicken. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. And it was good. Don't get me wrong. It was nice. I'm not sure it was worth 138 euros. Oh man. And they were probably rude to you. They were kind of rude, actually, yeah. Um, and what we all love, which is it just like Alec and I were pissing ourselves because they bought the chicken to the table, like it was to wine, you. and said, yeah, to say, madame, like, well, this chicken suit you. Mm. And I'm, like, moving the things off the table to thinking they're about to put it down. <laughs> and he was like, no, like, this is your chicken. I was like, okay, sounds good. Did it have feathers on it still? <laughs> no, it had already been roasted. It's just before they like oh, brown the skin. But they do this thing there where they like kind of soak the chicken in brine for a couple of days before they cook it. So it's so moist and delicious. Yeah. Um, but it was really beautiful there. It really was. It was stunning. And I liked and I was charmed by it. And I could see why people are like obsessed by it. But I have to say overall... I think I'm going to have to go back a few times and try, like, learn to love it a bit. I think while we were there, there was three people in total I counted that were polite to us. It, it was it was really amazing. We went to the Louvre and I saw um, Marie Antoinette's, like, travelling case with all of her things in it, wow. which was just, like, I still can't really quite process it. It's it's a case that's probably a metre by, I don't know what, how much, maybe two-thirds of a metre, and it's got, like, like they still have her little crystal glasses with her the ma wow thing in the floral center like her little scissors her sewing kit her eye bath her foot salts her pen her ink her tea set like everything in this case is like what she would take around with her to make her comfortable and that for me was just like the most incredible experience because listeners may or may not know i am quite obsessed with mary antoinette Mm -hmm. um I think she's a really fascinating character because I think she's both a victim and a villain at the same time. I think that we've seen her story played out through history before and after, and we're still seeing it played out now where we kind of vilify this 
woman yeah. for being too much and not enough at the same time. And then we just rip them to shreds until they either kill themselves or disappear or, you know, become drug addicts or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, Britney Spears, Amy Winehouse, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. So Yoko anyways, Ono. That, exactly. Yoko, big one. The uh, the woman who was quote unquote responsible for King George abdicating. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is Wallace George? Simpson. Yeah, pretty. It's a pretty interesting subject to me, but it was interesting to see everything that she had while the people in her country were starving. So it is hard to kind of understand that. How can she, how could they all just have so much people starving? I mean, it's exactly what we're seeing today. Hello. Food banks have never been being used more than they are right now in this country. There's, uh, I think, two or three. Um, free bars in the Houses of Parliament where, you know, it's yeah, not really adding up. So that was amazing. Going to the Louvre was amazing. And just the building was amazing. Like the art's really great and amazing and cool and like amazing to see. But you know me, I'm such a like, you're like a castle bitch and I'm like a like stately home bitch. Like I, going into Napoleon's apartments was like, Jeez. have you been to Paris? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have, did you yeah. like it? I did. I mean, I was 17 at the time, so I just had, you know, <laughs> not quite the adult experience. But I would really like to go back. But I don't think it's ever going to happen because we'll, we'll not go to f- France. Um, <laughs> but, wow, Napoleon's apartments must have been incredible. Maybe uh, we can go. Yeah, you and I can go. Uh, I-, I went to the Art Institute here in Chicago and that was quite extraordinary. There are so mm. many pieces of just Degas and, and, and Monet and, oh, my goodness, uh, Van Gogh, which mm. I've been schooled by Will that it's Van Gogh, not Van Gogh, as we say in America. Yeah. Van Gogh. Van Gogh. And they had a miniature exhibition, a miniatures, that blew oh. my mind. I'm going to post miniatures. pictures of it. You cannot yes, tell that do. these rooms are miniature. They're incredible. They were incredible. And that was thrilling. That, I'm so thrilled by miniatures. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm obsessed. No, so cute. Obsessed with miniatures. Why uh, are they so exciting? They're so exciting to me to like. I know. Me ooh, too. You can create this world. You can design. Sylvanians. Did you guys have those? No, what's Sylvanians. that? Sylvanians. Okay, if you had been an English child, because you were like a rich bitch posh girl, you would have definitely had Sylvanians. <laughs> I'm still trying to save up to get that rich bitch hairbrush you told me to get. Oh. When I was with yes. you, you are like, here, use this. Every rich bitch has one. And I was like, oh, I've never <laughs> even heard of it. You need to get the, it's the Mason person. You need to get the little kitty one. Okay. That one's only $130. Oh, only $130. Okay. Well, what's um, amazing is I found my grown-up one from my childhood. So now I've got two. Bitch. Yeah. Well, they weren't that much when we were kids. They definitely didn't cost that much when we were kids. But Jesus. Anyway, Sylvanians. I'm going to show you them. Anyone in Chicago, go see this miniatures exhibition. and Go to the Art Institute. I'm going to see what's playing here tonight. And I'm going to drag Will. To a play good. or a symphony. That sounds good. Or okay, this is Sylvanians. They were like little creatures. Yes, and they were I like did. Velvety. 
Yeah, you I had, had those. You? Yes. Of course you did. Of course you fucking did. Obsessed. And then, oh, this is the one that everyone had that I loved. I wasn't allowed Sylvanians. Why? Well, just because once you've got one, then you have to have all of them. And then yeah. you have, to have like a million things. And I was already into Barbies. I wasn't so allowed I think, Barbies. Um, so, and then you get all these little houses and everything. Yeah. Yep. Rem- oh, oh, God. Oh, Oh, why God. why weren't you allowed Barbies? Because they were too hoish. Yeah, because they were tits and ass and plastic, and I wasn't allowed to play oh. with plastic. My toys were wood. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and none of my dolls had faces. Oh my god! No wonder no. you're so fucking weird. <laughs> Waldorf Waldorf toys don't have faces for the most part because. It allows the child to imagine, imagine, <laughs> imagine the face and not not be stuck with like the emotion that they're given, but like put the child can put themselves onto the toy more as and opposed those to those dolls that blink that are just like, yeah, <laughs> haunting. I mean, there's some really, really terrifying dolls that I've seen that literally are like crying in pain. Like, why would you put that expression on a doll's face? I don't get it. Oh, in Paris, they had Eiffel Tower dildos. Ooh, did you get me one? (laughs) Imagine that you're just like, oh, yeah, I want to be fucked by the Eiffel Tower. Oh, my God. Do they have a Statue of Liberty one? Maybe you could collect them from a a leaning tower of Pisa. Yeah, for for girls that like the bend. Mm -hmm. Leaning tower of Pisa. Yeah, this could be Um, a thing. Apparently, it's already a thing. You could do like St. Paul's Cathedral for women who like a more girthy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you could do Big Ben. For those who like a skinny pencil one. You could do Big Ben. Yeah. Or boys. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the trend penis trends are among. Uh, yeah, girls and boys. This is, I think there's something we could, <laughs> you know, merch for season four. Just dildos around the world. <clears throat> yeah. Um, that made me laugh a lot. The dildo did make me laugh a lot. Did you have you heard of something? I've been just desperate to tell you this. Have you heard of something called Paris syndrome? No. So it's something that is mostly affecting Asian cultures. So Japanese, Chinese, and Koreans, they get Paris really pushed on them. The tourist boards really kind of like target them. And there's a lot of kind of like Paris propaganda over there. And Paris syndrome is when predominantly it's Asian, affecting Asian tourists, come over. And they're so disappointed with the reality of Paris that they go into like physical distress and they have anxiety attacks. They pass out vomiting, diarrhea, dysphoria, feelings of persecution. And then I've heard that at the air- at some of the airports, there are like people there like, how, for tourists who've come back from Paris are like do you need psychological help as a result of your trip to Paris because they're so disappointed because it's just not like Emily in Paris and it's not like Woody Allen's Midnight in Paris it's like it's like a real city <laughs> isn't that the most amazing thing you've ever heard I mean it's sad I think maybe I had it a little bit <laughs> I think you definitely have Paris syndrome Wow. I think I did too. I, I think, think I have Paris syndrome about like a lot of things. 
Yeah. Well, I do think it is a it's a big thing that especially affects younger people now because of social media that yeah. they have extreme feelings of disappointment because everything gets sold to them with filters on, yeah. with with different settings, with lighting, and like everyone showing the highlights reel of their life or their trip here or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, I'm sure you've seen those pictures where they show the Taj Mahal and then you go to the left of it and it's like scattered in like a trash heap or something. Yeah. Same thing with the pyramids. Um, exactly. Um, and most of those things, you know, get really sold to people in a certain type of way. So then when you're a teenager and a child, you can't really rationalize those emotions so much social so, media is the devil guys gotta watch out Not- i've become so so disenchanted with it i oh no i used to really kind of enjoy it and i used to like posting and i used to like showing and now i'm just kind of like i don't like it oh share stuff on my i like sharing stuff on my stories that's beautiful um i like sharing beautiful things i think is is my favorite thing to share but like I couldn't give two fucks about updating anyone about my life I couldn't <laughs> no one cares no one gives a fuck people you know, care about mine okay girl <laughs> um, I mean my followers you know I mean? like cling to my updates I would say oh that's modest of you <laughs> people need me <laughs> I need you so I know how it feels when you don't give me your updates then I just don't it just doesn't feel right in the world anymore are you gonna dish on your familia at all you said you oh were yeah yeah god go so the one okay two other good things about Paris were the wine is really cheap and really good you can just get like the yummiest stinkiest red wine for like mm. five euros yeah and the bread is just like People, by the way, really do walk around with baguettes in their bags. I don't know if you thought maybe that wasn't real. And listeners, when you go to Paris, people really do, most many people walk around with their like baguette in their purse. (laughs) And just a flask of wine. It just gave me such a thrill to see. Oh, and the fashion was really good. I love looking at people's style. But anyways, I was drinking red wine because it was so cheap and delicious every day. And you know me, not not a big drinker so when I got back we went out a couple nights after we got back and I had wine those nights as well red wine and then on the Sunday I just went into like the deepest depression and I was just like oh my god and I did realize that it was kind of I think because I was having a bit of an alcohol come down yeah but also I was just feeling really depressed about my family stuff which I'm really working through at the moment I'm really trying to work through some of the biggest stuff for all of us is is working through our our family issues and everyone has them and it is so rare that somebody is it doesn't have any kind of family issues and I think it's one of those really big things in life that is is quite universal and so I've really been working on those a lot since I came back to England because you know, my family's not straightforward. No side of my family is straightforward. Some are much more difficult than others but what I realized on Sunday was and this is going to sound so stupid maybe but how my self-loathing and feelings of shame are born of my toxic family dynamics and they've then been perpetuated through my life through boyfriends bad friendships bad bosses 
bad jobs my record deals you know whatever mm-hmm. I have found myself putting myself in situations that are comfortable because I'm used to being in this shame cycle but I was feeling sort of disappointed and and upset about family stuff trying to really accept people the way they are and I think when the way that people are isn't explosive or harmful or whatever in the big picture but is harmful to you it's like really it's really tricky to kind of come to terms with because it's not like it's some you're not like oh this person is a monster they're evil they're terrible it's almost just like them just existing and being themselves is actually damaging to you yeah and that's a really hard way to feel about anyone especially family and I think the reason it came absolutely just hitting home on Sunday was because (laughs) the people being rude to me in Paris made me feel really sad and really self-loathing even though it's not about me in the slightest it's just the culture it Mm. this one guy at this bar that we went into where everyone was drinking I went in and I asked for two glasses of wine and he said no no um food only food only so loudly in front of everyone in this quite small bar and I just looked around and no one was eating and no one had been eating and it was all local people and I think maybe it was just like you're not welcome here type thing yeah but for like two blocks I just spiraled and by the time we reached the traffic lights near the hotel I burst out laughing and Alec was like what are you laughing at I said oh just between now and that interaction with that man I've given up my clothing line I I'm a terrible person. Um, I'm going to starve myself from now into infinity. And I fucking hate myself. Wow. And he was, he was like, that's what you've been thinking this whole time. I was like, yeah, I'm quitting everything and I'm disappearing and everyone is better off without me. <laughs> so Paris and the people of Paris being rude or difficult to me or unkind gave me this shame feeling. And then I came home and then I was like, fuck. And it sounds so obvious and so stupid. Yes, our family relationships affect the way we feel about ourselves. But for me, it's a major unlocking thing of like a direct correlation between feelings of self-loathing, like very strong, aggressive feelings and shame coming from disappointing and dissatisfying family relationships. Wow. I just think it's so amazing how all of these things which don't feel linked can come into a... I know. One little thing. A man saying, no. <laughs> no. Food only. Yeah. That. And I just looked around, I was like, oh, okay. I don't want you. Right. Here. You're not good enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're not. You're not in yeah. the club. This. No, this is not. No. Yeah, pretty amazing. Wow, Annabelle. That's so interesting. We walk around with all of this inside of us all the time. I know. And I'm so tired of it, Lucy. (laughs) I know. I'm dealing with the same shit here. I mean, so much family stuff is coming up for me. I'm sure. Because this is my dad's side of the family. And he and I basically don't have a relationship right now. And it's so bizarre to be here without him. 
when I can't share it with him. And he's the only person I want to share it with. And you're right. It's like you do so much acceptance on taking for people for where they're at and allowing them to be on their own journey. But what do you do when just their existence hurts? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. How do you make That's sense what, of that for yourself? It, like, it just ties into what we said last week about taking responsibility for yourself. That's part of what that is. It's like mm. you had to, and you did catch yourself with that man on the corner when you mm. laughed. Like that was you taking responsibility for what had happened inside of you the last mm. couple minutes. That's good. That's healthy. It's good that you could laugh and realize yeah. what had hit you. And, and it's good that you're connecting it to your family stuff that you're working on because mm. most of the time people walk around bumping into furniture and never, never putting the pieces together. Mm. And you've just got to. God, you don't have to. But for me, I just don't want to carry it all around anymore. I want to be free of it. And I think it all interlinks with what I had said to you last week about wanting to really be okay standing on my own two feet and going no I don't need anyone else I'm good yeah it's really hard when your parents don't love you the way that you need to be loved yeah it is even just the smallest thing that that they say or or not even your parents somebody that you just really love doesn't love you the way that you that you need them to could be the guy in the the cafe That would he, didn't, be weird. he didn't love you the way you needed to be loved in that moment. No, he just didn't even anything me, like, whatever. But I think um, it's so painful. And I think there's going to be so much freedom in just going, okay, that's okay that you don't love me the way I need you to, because I do. I love you. Yeah, me I love me. Enough that's right. for, the, for the both of us. Yeah, exactly. That's um, where it is. You know, and then you start getting sensitive about things and things that you know are a joke. Start, and it's like, I don't... I know, I don't want to live like that. That's no, so... just no. get rid of it. Yeah, just get it get it gone. It's never over. <laughs> when so you think you've ever solved ever everything, there's, there's an ocean of stuff behind it that waiting to be sifted through. It's just, it's it's just like, life. It's like whack-a-mole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always coming back you're like do, 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 do. Yeah. I'm cured Woo-hoo. and I think once and then you like, the like no you're not <laughs> once you accept that about life and you embrace that about life then you can enjoy yourself more and you can yeah you can you're never going to solve it but when mm. you see it for the puzzle and the game that it is then you can at least roll with the punches and have mercy for yourself and 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 kindness a sense of and humor love. and kindness and love yeah. and let yourself off the hook and let others off the hook mm. that doesn't mean like you know forgiveness is confusing and you and I have talked about this before forgiving doesn't mean no boundaries forgiving doesn't mean mm. I let you back in it means okay I see that a rattlesnake is going to bite me. That's the nature of the rattlesnake. So do I blame Mm. the rattlesnake? No, that's the nature of a snake. Yeah. It's not trying to hurt you. It's doing what a snake does. And, uh, and girl, a snake is a snake. (laughs) Girl, then you can, you know, just maybe stay away from snakes, you know, whatever. But it really requires so much mercy for yourself. And like really tired since, excuse me. I bet. 
I mean, I've had nothing but carbs and wine for the last week, and I gotta say, I, I don't, I don't feel in a good headspace really because mm-hmm. body's not functioning. No, so alcohol is a depressant, and so you put yourself through a week of yeah. drinking like that, going to Paris, and and you have to recover. And you did say that you felt that depression sink in. Mm, on Sunday yeah the, when I stopped drinking the next day and like that that evening I was like oh I'll just have a drink it'll make it feel better and I was like no bitch <laughs> yeah no hair of the dog I don't like that the hair of the dog that bitch you have another drink I to think, get rid of your drinking <laughs> I think if you just like taper off I can see it from that perspective but it's got to be like a lesser alcohol you know yeah gonna I wind it down I'm not good at that I'm very on or yeah. off I can't do I prefer- the I prefer that myself as well. Yeah. Um, wow. So anyways, that's kind of been where I've been at the last few days. Should we do the news? Yeah. Okay. It's not... It's not world news. It's not important news. It's... It's What are you gracing us with, Annabelle Jones? Why do I always let you go first? That's just the pattern that we got in. Your name's first on the show, so I get to oh, that's the true. first. And I sing the there theme song. True, 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 true. I'm going to okay. bet that your news has to do with Yeezy or Kim Kardashian or Machine Gun Kelly. No, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, James Corden has yeah. been banned from Balthazar Restaurant in New York. For being abusive and rude to the staff. What? The restaurateur Keith McNally is an Englishman, claims to have banned James Corden from his New York City restaurant, Balthazar, calling the late night host a tiny cretin of a man and the most abusive customer to servers in the restaurant's 25-year history. Yeah. He spazzed wow. out because he his wife ordered a omelette for brunch and a egg yolk omelet and there was like a little bit of white in the omelet and it didn't come without the fries it just came she ordered it with with no fries just salad and the fries came and he lost it um and saying like you haven't done your job properly blah blah blah, blah. I should just go in there and cook it myself like this whole thing and then he said what you're gonna do is you're gonna you're gonna take care of all of our drinks so far and all of our drinks for the rest of the meal. And that way I won't leave, leave like a Yelp, a bad Yelp review or anything like that. Excuse me? Um, and then apparently there was another incident at the same restaurant recently. And the restaurant owner was like, that's the fuck it. Don't come here again. Well, I was going to say, how often does he go there? <laughs> well, it's quite like a cool place to go. It's like the place it. to be. Right, 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 right. Um, and wow. then it says here, by the end of the day, by the time the guy Keith McNally has done his tirade and basically James Corden's called him personally and gone, I am so sorry, mm-hmm. done his little PR cleanup. Yeah. And now he's been readmitted to Balthazar. Oh, really? Um, but, Are there terms yeah. and conditions? Uh, my next question is, who orders an egg yolk omelette? That's fucked up. Honestly, I would. That sounds delicious. I love egg yolk, but like. No, I've never heard of that. 
I get I get it because sometimes I think they put too much white in the right. omelet. I know people think that like an egg white omelet is so healthy. I hate um, egg white anyway. It's just not um unless you have like high cholesterol in which case don't eat eggs, but it sounds delicious and creamy and just sounds so fat, good. Like oh. fatty and just like imagine that with like mushroom and basil Ooh. and feta and tomato mm. yes um anyway with the fries I would definitely have the fries yes but what wow. I wanted to say about this is that I think James Corden's gone a bit wrong since he's gone to LA it happens to people I think he's gone a bit LA uh he used to be you know just a lad from Essex bit of a bit of a national treasure and now he's like hey, hey Mr LA ho <laughs> get what um, I want yeah yeah and if I don't I'm gonna get absolutely fucking mental um mm-hmm. until you give me what I want I just don't like that as an English person I'm like no they don't put up with that no. in England you eat your horrid omelette and you go and you talk about it privately yeah. on yeah. the way home when yeah. I can hear you <laughs> and Not you whisper eat. yeah you whisper about it in your own home or in your own car or in a in place where no one can hear what you're That's saying right. yeah and we'll- you just don't go there again Exactly. That's what I'm confused about. Like, was he trying to move in there or something? Will always comments about the diff. He'd be like, there's so many times where we'll be in line or queue, as you call it, and somebody will cut or something. And he goes, wow, in England, you would be killed if you fucking cut yeah. a queue. Yeah, you like really that would. Shit. You don't fuck around with that shit. Or just so many little things where he goes, wow, you would they would kick your ass in England if you mm. did that in public. Mm. And people just get there away with crap have, here. Like, manners. There's people, no that's manners. One of, it's one of the things I found really, 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 really hard about living in America was the absolute sheer lack of manners. Yeah, you can hold a door um, for someone. They won't make eye contact with you and say thank you. You let no. Nobody lets each other in when they're driving. You have to work to get into a lane if you want to change lanes. There's just so many little things that you go to England and you notice the difference immediately. I don't know if you'd notice in France, but... <laughs> oh, driving in the taxi around the Arc de Triomphe, I was like, what the... Yeah. The cars were going everywhere, there's no lanes. No. Yeah, yeah. the just... driving in England is spectacular. It's so simple and safe. Well, and I think because it uses common sense, yes, logic, and manners, just yeah. manners. Yeah. When you come from a place of just having, not just being like, no, me all. first. Me first. Me fucking first. Yeah. But I hate to say it, I think that that's a cultural thing. It is a cultural thing. It absolutely is. And I didn't understand a lot of what he was talking about until I spent time in England and I drove on the roads and I went, oh, I see why so, that why like what auto accidents are like one of the top causes mm-hmm. of death in, mm-hmm. in America. And it's not that way in other parts of the world because it's no. just a free, it's like a rodeo. It's like the Wild it really West. Is. It's, um... It is the Wild West, and I think that it's that's a cultural thing. I yes. think that that Wild West smash and grab me first mentality hasn't really changed that much. Really helped us out, no, no. Um. Anyway, so what's your news, girl? All right. So I figured since I'm in Chicago this week, I was gonna bring you some local news. Oh my so God, do. yeah, I have a really interesting fact. 
which I'm personally feeling up in arms about, and I'm definitely going to look into in my own area because I've never known the answer to this. How many parking tickets do you think are issued in a big city like Chicago in a year? Would you have any idea? Okay, like 100,000? Noble guess. So since January 2022, over 1 million parking tickets have been issued. That is up like a third of what it was last year. Not only they're that, trying to make that money. they're trying to make that money. They're meeting, they got to meet their quotas. They are booting mm-hmm. more cars than ever. Um, Chicago drivers received 1,073,919. Don't ask me to do numbers by June. Too big. Compared to 853,000 in that six months the year before. So it's gone up. It's increased by 31%. I found that fascinating because I'd never wondered that about my own city. I wonder... In LA? Are you kidding? Okay, so... It's out of control with the parking tickets in LA. They will stand there until the clock goes... Hits whatever time it is that the cutoff is, and they will write you that ticket as the clock turns. So here's a hot take... I would say that they're pro- the reason it's probably risen is because they lost so much money on parking tickets yep. during COVID when people weren't entering the city for work during their cars, yep. in their cars, and people weren't going anywhere. Can you imagine the money that they lost, money that they definitely rely on? Yeah. Um, I know LA, the reason why there are so many tickets and the reason why they clean one side of the street one day mm-hmm. and another side of the street another day and have such confusing signs and all of that stuff is 100% by design in order to give as many tickets as possible because LA is in so much debt as a city. It's one of the easiest ways for them to make money. It's passive income. Yeah. You didn't Google it. You didn't Google to find out how many is in LA. No, I I don't have energy for that right now, but... It's going to take one second. (laughs) Let's find out. So nearly 2 million parking tickets. And it says here, how much does the city of LA making parking tickets? So over the course of 2017 to 2021, 617 million dollars from parking tickets. Wow. Yeah. Don't let them get you. Careful with those signs. Don't get mugged. Don't get scammed by these people. They're out to get you. Don't get raped. No, wait, I have, a, I have a story behind that. So apparently my grandfather, when he was so angry that we were all coming in and like moving things around in his apartment because the nurses started oh. to come in. Yeah, yeah. He apparently said to my cousin, his shoehorn wasn't where in the place where it usually was for 20 years. And he was so pissed about this. And the mm-hmm. shoehorn has always been right here. And now it's not here. And And he said... And if that's not rape, then I don't know what is. (laughs) But then we came to find out that rape, it's it's been a word for stealing through history throughout history. Oh okay. My cousin, who's very brilliant, she's a scholar and a very, very smart and educated, was telling us about this, about the meaning of of rape and how it applied Mm -hmm. to women because women were a man's property. So if you took a woman or did anything to what, you know, she was part of being raped of one's property. I know, 
But wow. my fucking 97-year-old grandfather saying, if, that, if that's not rape, I don't know what is, about his shoehorn just made me fucking <laughs> Oh, my God. That's some real old man shit right there. Don't let those parking maids rape you, people. Yeah, big time. Watch your possessions. Watch yourselves. Well, we had They're a lot of... everybody up here. <laughs> Do you remember that video? Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Don't be one of the... 200 million no don't do it anyways so that's our news <laughs> apparently james corden's a wanker and we're all getting mugged off by the city shocking absolutely shocking, shocking. revelations today on the news yeah absolutely. Um, you're welcome but sh- shall we get into um a bit of what we were discussing last week. Yeah, let's chat for a bit about it. I want to say that the listener feedback since we put our first season four premiere episode out has been extraordinary. I have never heard Mm. from so many people as this last episode we put out. And I mean, long, long messages from people sharing their own experiences about abuse. Mm. I'm so happy to hear from you all. Mm. I'm just so happy for for everybody, for the things you said. It was really humbling, and I'll continue to write people back. And I I not only heard from listeners of the show, but personally, I started to hear from others who had escaped Gloria Gifford's acting class. Mm -hmm. And these people were emotional. And men, Mm -hmm. I'm talking men from all over the place. Mm -hmm. One man is in Ukraine, and he wrote me. Mm having heard the episode one man's in new york city he wrote me he had spoken with the man in ukraine for like two hours on the phone about it Whoa. yeah and these are hot model macho guys these are like manly men who escaped this situation mm. before i did like a couple mm. years before i i was able to wow. leave and they were so emotional over hearing this i think the conversation is mounting And people are really, really grateful for that. And they're joining in. They're joining in and they want to talk about it. So probably such a relief for so many people to be like, oh, my God, we can finally just like know this. I'm not crazy. Just wanted to share a couple because we always like to share our listener feedback. Yeah, I'll just read this first one, shall I? Okay. From one listener. This has to be one of your best episodes ever. I had a feeling Lucy was in Scientology when she was speaking about cults. This question is for Lucy. Have you ever spoken to Leah Remini because she's done a series on TV regarding Scientology and how she got out, which was very interesting. I'm glad you left. And Annabelle, I'm so happy that you chose to live in England. It's so beautiful there with all that's going on here in the States. I wouldn't want to come back here to live for sure. Enjoy your life in Hampshire. You have your family, friends there, and you have your cutie pie with you. <laughs> I cannot wait for your next episode. Keep up the great work, ladies. Aww, oh, so sweet. Oh, so to answer your question, I am in the process of connecting with Leah Remini. It definitely will happen. She knows exactly who Gloria is. Yeah, her documentary on Scientology has been a huge inspiration and help to me getting healthy again and getting unbrainwashed. So I'm really grateful to mm-hmm. Leah Remini for all the work she's continuing to do to for speaking out against this stuff. 
Um, yes, Annabelle's got her cutie pie with her there in England. We're all <laughs> grateful for that. This is from another listener. It says, Lucy, thank you for opening up about your experiences with your abuser. These past six months, I have been stalked and abused by a former friend. And this past week, it escalated, and I finally got the courage to go to the police. I didn't want to, but I had to draw the line at her outright threats of violence against me. She knows where I live and work. We were best friends for over a decade, and I don't feel safe. I don't want to live every day in fear. Later this week, I will use the police report to help my case for a restraining order against her. Wow. I kept saying I was going to get one for months, but was afraid they would reject me because it's not a domestic situation. No matter the outcome, I'm going to fight for myself and hope with all my evidence... The court will be on my side. So happy you two are back. That's interesting to hear that because also last week when you and I recorded about this high control group and the narcissistic abuse, I also went on another podcast to talk about the experience of the stalker that came after me. And I said that I know so many women who have been denied restraining orders when they have absolutely need most women And men. I mean, I'm sure there's men out there, too. Most people are denied restraining orders when they really desperately need them. So I just feel so grateful that I got one. And Mm. I just I'm so thankful for that every day because I know how rare it is that people take you seriously when you come to them for help about that stuff. So best of luck to you, listener. Thank you for sharing that with us. And we definitely want updates. So another listener, OMG, you were so brave, Lucy. It's horrible how they brainwash people. And it's true. People are both afraid and ashamed to tell what they went through. It took a long time to open your eyes, but better late than never. And I congratulate you. On the other hand, there's no money that can buy peace of mind. Mm -hmm. There's a time you need people around you. And there's a time you need to be alone and find yourself. I'm glad Annabelle is having it in this beautiful cottage. Welcome back and love you girls. We love you too. Yeah, that's what you said about standing on your own doesn't mean being an island, but knowing when you need to connect and knowing when you need to recharge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And this final one. This final one is from a guy that escaped the class before I did. He was just really wrote me this long, beautifully emotional message. He just said, Lucy, I'm I'm relieved. I look at all the things that you're doing now. And I think, of course, all those great things are in this new chapter because you aren't having your soul crushed or your individuality Mm -hmm. questioned by someone who will never truly understand what being an artist means. Wow. (laughs) I... 100% agree with you about how the women took more abuse than the men. With the guys, she just wanted to be desired and validated. And for the women, it was a different story. Um, Mm. It made me smile to hear you laugh as you reflected on some experiences. And I asked him what the final straw for him leaving was. And his Mm -hmm. answer was really interesting. He said, you need to keep addressing this. Karma needs to catch up with her in a big way. The article didn't even mention the students that she had locked up in her house. What? Um, I mean, that's there's like so much to even... There's so much. We could talk about this for 10 years. He goes on to say that he, too, has, has had PTSD dreams. The thing that pushed him to leave most was the lying, being pumped up with lies constantly the lie that Scientology is not pushed in class Uh, he says well in my mind 
she quietly suggested to me one time that I should look into a course through Scientology, and I call that pushing Scientology in class. <laughs> mm. Anyway, yeah, I got these long messages from people this week, and he's just one yeah. of them, and so it was it was incredible. Obviously, oh, something that people need to talk about more, obviously. I just wonder, because she's been teaching for so long, how many stories like this there are hundreds I mean she's probably she's had thousands and thousands of students over the years I yeah I mean it's so random to like to the point that a casting director had seen the article and mentioned it to me and said I took a coaching with her like 20 years ago and I have a horrible story of what happened like it's random people yeah that I don't even know so many people have these stories and now that's what happens after an abuser is exposed all these people come out of the woodwork and share Mm -hmm. the same stories Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wild but it takes so much time for that to happen it really does I just watched um last week really heavy but well unbelievably well made documentary um a a British horror story about Jimmy Savile Mm. you remember that story Jimmy Savile he was a TV entertainer host kids entertainer who he was a hero he was he was he was a national hero national treasure he raised millions for charity and was beloved in this nation and it turned out after he well it it started rising up in his final months of being on this earth but that he had um molested and raped like thousands of kids countless people um and people and he did it because somehow he managed to arrange his life so that he had apartments in like hospitals and schools where he would go and volunteer every week yeah and then the rest of the time he'd be driving around in his fucking pedo van like yeah i don't know it was just if anyone if you can have access to that, definitely give it a watch. I think it's called A British Horror Story. It's, it was a fascinating documentary, but the fact that it took so long, even though everyone in the industry was talking about it since like the 50s, yeah, that he was a paedophile. Yeah, people have been whispering about the abuse at the Gloria Gifford Conservatory for 30 years. Yeah, I Unreal. mean, you guys all just, just got to keep talking about it because... Yeah. I know. There were two th- there was something you said to me last week. You said it was interesting that the article spun it the way that they did. There were so many lies in there that weren't challenged. And yeah. You said it would be cool if we could challenge some of those. And it just brought up a couple things that I wanted to mention. Yeah. There's a quote of Gloria's in the article where They're asking her if she's ever had any kind of smear campaigns against students who have left, if she's ever exposed personal information of anybody. And she said, I I hear so many crazy things and I would never, never, never tell anyone. Mm. And that's an absolute lie with hard evidence to back it up Mm. on many occasions. But Mm. one that I witnessed personally was a girl was leaving class and they were on a phone conversation Mm. because you don't leave in person if you can help it, like we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this girl was leaving and she was an officer and she had a real problem with the abuse that was going on and she was asking questions. And that's why Gloria got her on the phone to shut down her questions and brainwash Mm. her back the other way. 
And mm. this girl said, I, I'm not going to put up with it anymore. It's not okay. I'm leaving class. Mm. And Gloria said, and I heard this, I was sitting with this girl at the time. Gloria said, well, it's Lucy who's making you leave class, isn't it? And the girl said, no. And she said, oh, yes, it is. She's trying to get everyone to leave class. Let me tell you about Lucy. Lucy is just a little girl who can't get her daddy's attention, and she's pissed off, and she'll fuck any guy who will fuck her. And she had one guy who she took home, and she didn't even know him, and he was a stranger, and she let him handcuff her to her, his bed. Lucy's just a whore and a slut and not to be trusted she goes off on this thing, this tirade, this smear of me. She smears many people this way. She yeah. twists personal, intimate details from people's traumatic pasts that were shared with their mentor in moments of extreme vulnerability. Yeah. And that begins the minute you get to class. Her interest in getting to know you and getting you to confide in her is so that she can use it later when she needs to. Yeah. Like I heard her do about me on the phone that day. And like all of us who were there and are there have to sit through hundreds of hours of her doing this during paid class time and coaching time when she's supposed to be teaching acting. But this is what a narcissistic abuser does. And so on that phone call, the girl's just sitting there listening and says, uh, uh, I'm still leaving class. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for the info. Thanks for the I'm info. Still- and then Gloria said, okay, okay, okay. So it looks really bad that you're leaving class right now because I'm being accused of abuse. And it looks really bad that you're leaving. So can I tell everyone in class that you're leaving because you're physically sick and you need help? And the girl said, no, I'm not comfortable with that. And Gloria said, okay, 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 okay. Can I tell people that you are mentally ill and that's why you're leaving class because you're going to get help? And the girl said, absolutely not. I'm not comfortable with you saying any of that. So they get off the phone and then about a week later, a girl in the class shared audio recording that she had of Gloria telling the class that this girl had left because she was mentally unstable and she was going to go into psychological program for it or something. It it was kind of a, a little mini mass exodus at the time because yeah. people were all like seeing it and saying it. And, yeah. And after that happened with me being smeared to the class and the girl got it on recorded mm-hmm. and the other girl was being smeared to the, just people who were leaving were being smeared um people just started dropping out and saying that's not okay yeah. with me what you said you shouldn't be talking about other people mm-hmm. like that i don't want to pay good money to sit in an acting class to listen to a smear campaign about some student you're pissed at so the flat out lies in this article where she says she doesn't do this stuff just aren't gonna fly actual recording she really thinks that she's like untouchable which is interesting to me I mean in case anyone needed any more proof that she's a total narcissist she really believes that she's like untouchable they always do 
They always do. It's amazing that people who are speaking out are being bullied. But when humans can't confront the truth for themselves, they get really angry when others do. And they have to be mad at someone. And they can't be mad at themselves or their abuser. They cannot be mad at their abuser. So they're going to be mad at the one who's speaking out. So I understand exactly why I'm getting so much hate shit from people yeah you are you're getting hate from people who probably are still in the group and whatever yeah because you are confronting their beliefs about their own lives and and that's people don't like that no okay I'm really interested to hear about this there's been other bits that you've mentioned to me and one of the things I'm always really interested in with cults and and situations like this is the financial element yeah because I'm always fascinated to know how these people bankroll themselves because they don't really do any work. Um, I mean, they're working all the time, constantly, but they're not doing things to justify usually the lifestyles that they're living. How are they paying for the houses? How are they paying for the cars? How are they paying to, in some situations with cults, like to house and feed all of these people? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. and you've, you know, without going into too much detail, you have recently completely revamped your life, revamped your finances, and you you have kind of gone on like a financial detox and then <laughs> relearning yeah. your relationship with money. And, you know, you and I have had some, some chats in the past, but I, I haven't really... I think I've only ever asked you once a question about your finances with regard to this situation, because I can understand that it could be a real source of like pain and also shame. And I don't ever want it ever to feel when I'm asking you about this, like I'm like, so, um, mm, where'd all you know, your money go? <laughs> yeah. Like why? Uh, um, cause trust me, like, you know, that my, history of like how I used to be with money was just a disaster so would you be open to talking about the the financial kind of ramifications and also structures or experiences or yeah she did a lot yeah I'll, I'll tell you one thing in general and then I'll tell you a second quick thing that was kind of one of the final straws for me in Mm -hmm. escaping. So in general, she abused a lot of people financially. And I've spoken to a lot of them, people that have been out of class for 5, 10, 15 years. Looking back, everybody has the same kind of story. People spent hundreds, over $100,000 in various ways through credit cards, putting stuff on credit cards for her, um, going into credit card debt, going into debt, having to borrow from friends and family. Now, is that to pay for class? Yeah, it's, it's, well, I'll give you an example. And it's also because it's, it becomes hard to work because you're giving so much of your time to her. Like you're, you're kind of forced to give so much of your time to the the group. It's a full-time job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it became very, very hard to work. But one little thing, and there's many more like this, one thing she always does, and she flat out lied about this to the magazine to the point that they didn't even print it. She gives fines. She gives fines to people in the group. If you're late, if you didn't watch the movie that you're supposed to watch. Okay, so what's every the week. fine? When you were in the group, what was the fine if you were late? The fine if you were late would be anything she wanted it to be. Okay. She would change numbers all the time, but like. Okay. 
it it depended on how much you had pissed her off that day. Was um, some people get higher fines frequently than other people? Yeah. Yeah, okay. that happened. And many, many people this happened to, not just me, but the fines could be anywhere from $10 to $200. What? And if you were late, if you didn't take direction in a scene, if you made her mad in any way, a fine. There was a time I was doing... It's like extortion. Yeah, I was doing a scene with a girl and she was directing us and the girl wasn't listening and she made her pay $200. That was a coaching for a showcase, which she made us do showcases all the time, which is where you, you work on a scene and yeah. it's like a one hour thing and casting directors and people can come to watch you. And we'd have mm -hmm. these frequently, which cost a lot of money. They cost about $1,000 to be in them. And then you had to pay her <laughs> You had to pay her like $300, $350, whatever, $250, whatever. Why does it cost 1000 to be in them? To rent the theater, to get your cost, just food. There was always food at these things. Lighting person, press, promo to promote her school. You were paying for all that kind of stuff. And, and then there would be a coaching fee where she would be directing you and you would be paying her a couple hundred dollars to coach. And there was a time when I wasn't listening to her or whatever, me and my scene partner, so she made us pay for a double coaching. And the thing about these fines is that she never leaves a paper trail. She never puts it in an email. She has a finance officer who's the one who handles all her money for her, and they are yeah. the... the policeman that comes after you to pay your money to what you owe to Gloria. There's never a paper trail. It's never put into email. She's very, very clever about that. So that when yeah. it came, came time for us to share that with the Hollywood Reporter, they couldn't do anything with that because there's no evidence because she makes sure of it. All the only, there's no receipts. You don't get a well, receipt. Because it's 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 extortion. That's yeah. why it's it's, it's absolute illegal. extortion. Yeah, it's absolutely illegal. And um, so that's like a general reason that you spend so much money there. In addition to your monthly class, in addition to being in the plays and the showcases, which is thousands and thousands of dollars. In, in an average month, how much could a student spend being a part of the Gloria Gifford Conservatory? If I was in a production at the time, let's say, you know, I'm in class and the production that's like, uh, if you had a bad month where you got some fines and you were in the production and you were in class. About $2,500. <laughs> yeah. She's a con artist. I spent over $100,000 in the 10 years I was there. And she really is a fucking con artist. Yeah, it's 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 nuts. Um, but a specific example of the financial abuse that I experienced personally was every play that we did, every play that she does, there's like a pot of money where everybody gives $20 to be part of this mm -hmm. pot. And then she double and triple casts the play, which she says is so that you can go to your job and not have to take work off and you can have an understudy who can go up in your role. But it became, it's very clear that the real reason she double and triple and quadruple casts the roles is to bring in more money. Yeah, yeah, because there were people who paid to be a part of the play that never went up in the role. And she says it's mm. so that you can be around the process to get experience and blah, blah, blah. But 
this audience pot, right? Whoever brings in the most audience over the run of the play, which is usually about three months, wins the pot. And it would be hundreds of dollars. So so unhealthy. Even that is is so unhealthy for kind of like interpersonal relationships. And it's such an amazing tactic for building resentment between all of you and insecurities and tearing you down in this really way which like seems like it might be fun but actually it's tearing everyone down and adding this other layer of pressure and every time you don't win you feel like shit and then you feel like shit so you go so into class so you can feel better and be better at what you do so then maybe more people will come in and you know nobody can you imagine I mean of course you can imagine because I'm sure you didn't (laughs) win the pot all the time because I'm sure nobody always won the pot unless it was like her. Funny you should say that. Okay, don't, she didn't win the pot. How could she win the pot? Here's how she won the pot. So this last play that I did, me and another girl (sighs) were the top winners. There were two Mm -hmm. of us. Pot was Mm -hmm. gonna be split. Now there's a girl who's always in charge of keeping track of the audience numbers and who collects the money for the pot. There's like a person in charge of this, if you can believe that. And that girl had shown us the numbers. We all knew what they were. And it was me and one other woman. Mm -hmm. And then there was a third one, another girl under us, and she wasn't winning, right? Now, a lot of actors in the group couldn't afford to pay for the play by the time they would be on like ongoing payment plans with Gloria for years, paying off. So she's putting people at... She's people putting people yeah. into debt. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Massively, massively. Thousands of dollars. They're ha- you know. Um, and anyway, I was paid off for the play. I was paid off, and this other winning girl was paid off. The third girl under us was not paid off. You got it? So me and the girl are going to win. They go to announce it. Everyone's there. And she goes, and this girl's the winner, and she names that first girl. And then when she went to name me... She skipped over me and she goes, and so-and-so won the other half. And she skipped down to that third girl. And everybody looked at me because everybody knew who had won. And she's sitting there thinking that nobody is on to what she's doing. So the girl directly under, under me who had not paid for the play walks up to the front very sheepishly because she knew what the deal was as well. And she takes the money from Gloria and she hands it right back to Gloria to pay for the play. Cheeky bitch. So that's how she did that. And then I'm just mortified by this point because I just don't want to be in this situation. And she goes, Lucy, come here. And she pulls me up and she wants to talk to me about this. Because when she lies to you, she goes in on you to brainwash you into seeing it her Mm -hmm. way, which is what she did Mm -hmm. with that girl on the phone who was trying to leave. Mm-hmm. It was the same. It's the, it's the same tactic. Come here. You thought you were going to win, didn't you? And I said, well, yeah, I know I won. And she said, well, you didn't. That other girl brought in like a bunch of people at the very end and she won. And I'm just going, okay, I don't, I don't, I yeah. don't give a fuck. Like, let me go back to Please my fucking fuck off. This is yeah. so stupid. Such a waste of my life right now. And she's just hounding me, hounding me, hounding me. Won't let it go. Won't let it go. You thought you until you like her. until you give in to her, which I wouldn't do. I just was like, okay, all right, fine, that's fine. And I walk back, and the girl who was in charge of the list and the top girl who had won are like 
Fucking say something. This is bullshit. We all know what happened. Fucking stand up for yourself. And I went, you guys, I don't care. Well, also like they would. It's like $400. You know, that's a lot of money. But like, Maybe please. that's a lot, yeah. I know. But like, this is so embarrassing and so fucked up and weird. Just leave me And just not worth the like torment. You'll just like get this. It's not me. worth the torment. Now, all three of those girls are still there. That's what I'm saying to you. It's like, why don't they say something? Why don't you lot all say, you, we all know, by the way, who won? Ask them. I think everybody knows the answer to that. Anyway. Uh. Those are the tidbits I'll share with you today. <laughs> I won't go into the, the darker stuff where a past student of hers had died, who she hated, because he did speak up against her. And... Um, when he died, she said, good, I'm glad he died. He was an asshole and he's better off dead. And his parents are better off because he's dead. And anybody who's sad that he's gone is an asshole too. Which led to me not grieving the death of my friend for years. Mm. So we won't go into that today because that's a whole nother can of worms, but you know, I'll she's leave you really with- <laughs> She's like really evil. Like it's, there's like a, it's not just like, oh, it's just about the money or the scamming. It's not like, it's not just about the money, which for some of these people it is. It's just getting as much possible no, money. It's, it's not it's about the, the money. There's a pleasure that she derives yeah. from, from other people's pain. Yeah. It seems like. It's yeah, there's so a real sick pleasure disgusting. to all of it. It's so disgusting. It's so um, godless and just, oh. Ugh. Um, hideous, hideous <laughs> creature. Um, and so was this all on top of, sorry for more financial questions, was this okay. all on top of like also the money that you were paying presumably to be in Scientology? Because I know Scientology puts people into crazy debt. Yeah, so Scientology was even more money, which I was paying on top of all this. But she was the person who had brought me in. So anything mm -hmm. I signed up for, she got a cut. She got a percentage. <laughs> so she told me when I went to the Scientology Celebrity Center. Is it Center, a pyramid scheme? I know it is. Yeah, it is. She said, you're not allowed to sign up for any courses without telling me first because you go through me. And she told me she was doing it to protect me so that they didn't take uh -huh. advantage of me. But it so, was... so that she could take advantage of you. Yeah. And she, <laughs> yeah, and she has that in place with her handful of students who are taking the courses. So she's got, she had at that time, probably about 10 people that were in that situation. Are you comfortable disclosing how much you spent on Scientology? Yeah. Over I did, the course of the 10 years, 12 I, years. Was that? I really, I only um, studied for about three years. Okay. And I never went fully in because I was mm. just doing it to appease her. Right. Okay. But I knew that it was really creepy and I didn't want any part in it that Interesting. is su that's such deep psychological brainwashed shit but, but it's still really it still really got under your skin even though you were resistant didn't yeah, it it's yeah, still it's the it. teachings and the philosophy of it it did because really... it makes sense it's sensible helpful stuff that's the fucked up part is you're like, oh, okay, well, this is helpful. Like, I like that. I like that concept. But, and that's that's what they say, you know, the devil mixes lies with truth. And mm. so you're, you're so confused because you're getting things that make sense mm. um, while at the yeah. same time being totally used. 
So I never went in and did the hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars that they take from people. But um, I would say in the course of the three, four years that I was actively studying, I spent maybe $5,000. Okay. So not a lot. I thought you were going to say like $100,000 or something. No, I I always held off as much as I could and just dabbled to the level that I could appease my abuser (laughs) it's actually quite good that I'm not in California anymore (laughs) a lot of people feel the same Annabelle because I just feel so angry that I it makes me feel like I want to go like full punisher (laughs) a lot of people Agree. There's a lot of angry people coming coming out of the woodwork right now. And um, as I love to say, what's the address? Because I just want to talk. <laughs> well, she loves to talk. I would love to just have a chat. <laughs> so that's all I'll leave you with today. Ooh, Lucy, I just when we talk about this stuff, my heart rate really goes up. And I feel so angry and so emotional. Last last week when we got off the phone, I like spazzed out and I like danced in the kitchen insanely for like an hour. And then I just cried and had like a full meltdown. I cannot imagine how you feel. I'm just listening. Yeah. I'm just listening to you. And I cannot imagine the strength that it took to be in it and leave it. And now you're in this situation where you have to muster more strength to heal from it and to continue healing from it. You know, it's like you still have this like emotional labor to do, even though you're out. And I I just can't imagine how like angry that makes you feel and how kind of tired. I'm sure that it doesn't all the time, but I'm sure that there are days where you probably do just feel completely overwrought by it and just don't even want to get out of bed, I'd imagine. I'm past that. Maybe it'll come back. I mean, like we just said, grief definitely doesn't go away. And these Mm -hmm. things are a very long process. But where I'm at lately is I just feel so strong and unafraid. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you that you feel so like enlivened and empowered. I feel really empowered. And you're you're part of that. Like these conversations don't. I did have a very tricky week when we recorded the first episode, because yeah. like I said, that week I was being interviewed about the stalker as well. Mm. And I didn't mean for those two things to happen at once, yeah. but it, it, it just... Isn't that me. how life like, yeah. goes sometimes? Yeah. It's like, hey, here's everything at once. Well, thank you for sharing. Really impressed by your vigor and in, in moving forward and, and continuing talking and, and sharing what your experience is. Sharing your traumatizing experiences doesn't always feel good but when you get those when you get that feedback that it's helping people it kind of just really makes it feel lighter yeah I guess and I'm really grateful for all the people coming forward hearing hearing their stories Mm. and getting their emotional feedback helps me and I think we send love to those who are still in the group and strength and I think sometimes when when we care about people or a situation and we feel really powerless, you know, it's one thing that Jeff always says to me is just send them love and surround them with love in your, 
mind's eye and in your heart and that is enough honestly that's really all so, you can do you know who I'm sending love and light to that French man in that cafe that beat you down oh my god love and light babe feel better soon get well soon honey only drinks for you oh my god if that's what you want so where are your escapades taking you this week? Alex family, his mom and dad are coming to visit from Chicago tomorrow, which is going to be cute and low-key a little scary, but cute. Yeah. Have you met them? <laughs> I have. Yeah. Yeah. This will be the most time that, that I've spent with them for sure. It's interesting. It's a whole other, um, it's, it's really daunting to be in a situation where it's like another family and you were married and you thought you it's still what it's one of these things where it's like oh wait another family when you just were not expecting that to be the case ever again wow there's there's this kind of rub with it for me and it's because every family has their own dynamics and their own dysfunctions and their own difficulties and I and I think that the dynamics in the in the last family I was was a part of were and are interesting and I'm still trying to figure out that dynamic how to be the widow of their son and brother and I don't know how and it really torments me um like massively not to get a moosh but it is really it's it's really really difficult yeah so then to be opening myself up to another family it feels really terrifying (laughs) which is like you just I wasn't expecting that (laughs) I mean I wasn't expecting to feel so terrified but I do um and you know I love uh Alex family I really do I love his parents and I think they're so fun always a good time and funny and interesting and, and they really partake in life and I love that I love that about them so, you know, I just am looking forward to spending more more time with them, getting to know them. And we're going to do a couple of days here. We're going to go to Cotswolds and then we're going to spend some time in London. So that's me. I'm wow. working on my, my clothing line. I'm doing family time. We'll be speaking a lot between now and then. And we'll do our spooky episode. Yeah, we'll have to do that next. It'll come out after... <laughs> Halloween though we should have done it today oh no, fuck it might go we'll check the dates but yes we will give you more of what you love which is the spooky stuff I want to say I'm really proud of you for that that's a major mm. major deal and mm. I didn't even think about that but I'm glad you brought it up because I want to talk more about it and hear yeah. how the experiences after their visit and hey let them know if they need a ride to the airport you know I, I got them I'm here <laughs> I wish I brought the the gift from one of our listeners that they sent to us that I've been keeping with me in California. I could have brought it and given it to him to take to you. You know, I thought you were going to be in New York. I didn't even think about it. I'm I thought you. I was... wouldn't have brought it here to give to them and the hoo-ha. I don't even know where I they know, are. I know, but you could have, like, met them. That would have been cute. I know. <laughs> I, would. I would like to meet them. They're really fun. <laughs> More of the same, more life, more giggles, more tears, more everything. More everything. <laughs> Love you all. Love you. Formidable. Tu étais formidable, j'étais formidable. 
Nous étions formidables Oh bébé, oups mademoiselle Je vais pas vous draguer Promis juré, je suis célibataire Depuis hier, putain Je peux pas faire d'enfant et bon C'est pas, hé, hey, reviens, 5 minutes